We have to vote for the people who we believe will defend our rights. And then we must stand up in the face of those who fail to do so and demand change. Welcome back to the tank, everybody. Welcome, welcome. We're here. We're doing it again. Oh yeah. This is uh, our fourth episode in this little mini series that we're doing called Know, know Your Rights. Oh, your rights. Your <laughs> rights know, know yours. Your know rights know your rights. Know your rights. That's we didn't what we're talking that. about today. No, clearly we didn't. <laughs> but that's okay because we don't need to practice. Uh, to know, actually, you know what? I don't really know where I'm going with that. Joke. I thought that I was, was I was be, about ready. To that was going to be a bad one. No, no, I was about ready to be like, you better speak it, Isaac. That's right. I was ready. I, I was, was ready like a like a like a patron in Mike Todd's congregation. I'm sorry, I lost totally lost the train of thought. You're you're better at the little like quick quips, if you will, the quick quips. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, but it's all uh. To the point at hand, let's let's just move on from let's this awkward, on. clunky intro. Yeah, let's move on. And uh, let's get it started today. So we yeah. are in the Fifth Amendment. Yeah, no BOGO today. If you joined us last week, we did hit you with that inflationary special by, brought to you by <laughs> Bidenflation. The buy one, get one, two for one, third and fourth Discount. amendment combination. Right. Go back and look it up. Because actually today in the Fifth Amendment, Oof. which is what we're talking about. Yes. There's all kinds of stuff packed oh, into this. The Fifth Amendment is very, very important. I would say, honestly, it's probably ranks top ten. I mean, it is <laughs> one of the ten. <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> but, but seriously though, the Fifth Amendment. I, Fifth I, Amendment I don't. I don't like. You know, I th- all of them are very important. This one is meaty, y'all, mm-hmm. and we're gonna yep. we're gonna run through this. And but. there's actually. Five points yeah, that we true. have to oh, share right. coming right. from the Fifth Amendment. But I was going to say, if you haven't gone back and listened, do go back and listen to the last episode because some of what we're going to talk about today in the Fifth Amendment applies to the Fourth Amendment, or rather maybe the Fourth Amendment applies to the Fifth Amendment. There's some That's continuity. probably the better way yeah. of saying it. So That's right. uh, go back and listen. But without further ado, let's kick off the Fifth Amendment Go ahead and read it, Cody. Let's start with just a good old reading. Yes. And then okay. we're going to get into what it means and what it's talking about. Here we go. Okay. Fifth Amendment. No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service in time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. Nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Okay. Good, good read. Uh, 
So what we want to look at is we've broken this down into five different sections, if you will. And kind of the theme of this series has been, why was it written? Is there any historical context around this? And how is it being infringed upon today? Or what do we need to be aware of? And how do we need to understand and know these rights so that if we do see them being violated or being infringed upon, which a big reason why we wanted to do this little series is that we do believe that that's happening a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just happens all the time. And some uh, amendments are violated more than others maybe. But today, as we walk through this, we want to attack it with the same lens. What's the historical context? What does it mean? How does it apply to today? And how do we protect ourselves? Yeah. Like that's why we have rights is to right. protect ourselves and uh, make sure that we are we remain entitled to those rights. All right, so let's kick it off. Uh, first point of the five points encompassing the Fifth Amendment is that if you are charged or accused of committing a crime, you cannot be tried on that crime unless you are indicted by a grand jury. Mm-hmm. So there's like assumptions here. That jury is a, a jury, you've heard the term, a jury of your peers, and that that's what that is. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that means what it's not is it's not a jury of higher level elite officials or governmental right, right. officials. Yep. And here's a little historical piece on this. When this was written, keep in mind, this was written by framers who were uh, colonists that came from England and left England because there was a tyrant ruler uh, by the name of King George over there. And this was written specifically from their perspective. They were writing this because they were intimately acquainted with a king tyrant ruler getting wind of people's um, just even their thoughts and ideas. So they didn't commit crimes, but maybe they just disagreed with how the king uh, was, how the king was maybe uh, governing or at that time religion and government were very intertwined. So the official Anglican religion that King George instituted Maybe they didn't like it so much. Hmm. So what they were experiencing, and not all of them, but what they maybe even witnessed was that King George would come up with some phony, oh, you you killed so-and-so, some big crime that he would accuse them of to shut them up, and then there was no jury or, or no process or anything that would actually protect them. He, he just kind of had his he way. He just kind of labeled them a domestic terrorist. <laughs> whoa whoa that's too too close to home there <laughs> so uh yeah historical context there is that the reason they talk about a jury of your peers is because that protects you from being accused tried and ultimately convicted by people that aren't like you mm-hmm. that have elite status that have some sport sort of special i i hate to use the word privilege but <laughs> there is some privilege triggered. Yep. Yep. Just look at, I mean, this is, uh, May of 2023 right now that we're recording this. So if you, uh, listen to this 
at a later date, you look back in May of 2023, there's a lot of stuff going on in like the Biden crime family. Oh yeah. And Jeez. that that's a good example of special status, special sure. privilege. Yeah. So I don't want people with special status or privilege getting a say as to whether I'm guilty of a crime yeah. that they've accused me of and probably have some sort of ulterior motive. Yeah. No white person is going to judge me is what you're saying. <laughs> Am I hearing you correctly? <laughs> no white person. I, I need a, a POC jury. People of color. <laughs> I don't even know where you're going with that. White privilege, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. We can move oh, on. Oh, my God. It's all good. <laughs> it's not real, bro. That's, that's, not, not, that's not what he's white saying. I'm going to clarify because... <laughs> Isaac didn't catch it. I didn't catch it. I'm off. I'm I'm a little off my game. I got to get with it here. I've still got a few minutes to get with it, but I'm losing my train of thought in the opener. All right. I'm not catching your jokes. It's all good. Let's get back it's on track. It's all good. I'm going to ask you a question on that question. because ask it. you you asked you, you did a good job explaining the grand jury piece, but I have a question as it relates to because it says ex- except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when an actual service in time of war or public danger. What the heck does that mean? Correct. Uh, good question. So my understanding of this, and and we'll just put the disclaimer out there, we're not uh, PhD uh, law students or professors. Now, granted, your PhD law professor might not know diddly squat either. <laughs> so I'll put that disclaimer out there as well. But all that to say... I'm not a, I love the constitution. Uh, we are not astute, like divide the thin. Yeah. We're kind of, honestly, we're kind of with, we're exploring y'all. Yeah. We're just doing our due diligence to, to research and to understand. And yeah, you know, so I say that to say what I'm about to say is what I think it means. It's what I understand. It means it's from the little bit of research I've done, what I've been able to discern. Yeah. What I think it means is that if, uh, if we're in a time of war, for example, if a uh, soldier is in a fight mm-hmm. and kills another dude on the other team, he can't be tried for murder. Gotcha. Because that makes sense. That was like that's what he's supposed to be doing. In a public danger situation, I take that to to mean that. Um, trying to think of an example. So when there was a church, maybe last year, it's a smaller church, but the church was about to get shot up and this dude rolls in with a, a gun and he's about to shoot up the church. But then a church member ends up shooting the guy that had the gun that was Mm going to shoot up the church. That church member did not get tried for murder because there was a clear public danger. Gotcha. And he exercised protection in that situation. So that's what I take that to mean is that in a military context, the military play by a different set of rules at certain times. That's why it talks about wartime. Uh, and then in public danger situations, that also mm-hmm. uh, creates a, a different set of rules. Got it. So that is kind of the first little nugget of the fifth amendment yep and then we jump into is that is that all you got on that that's all i got awesome okay so then we jump into 
So let's see. Yeah. So or I just read that. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb. All right. So essentially we're talking about double jeopardy here. Okay. So this, this amendment prohibits or the, the uh, amendment, I guess I should say this piece of the amendment prohibits individuals from being tried twice for the same offense after being acquitted or convicted. So it, essentially it safeguards, um, uh, the government from subjecting someone to multiple prosecutions for the same crime. So I don't know about you guys. I'm a little old. I'm, I'm in my thirties. Okay. In my mid thirties, I'm okay with it. It's all right. So I remember a little movie called double jeopardy. Yeah. You had to actually educate me on this one. Yeah. I think according to, it came out in 1999, 99. Yeah, I was, I was five years old when I came out. Yeah. I was in my double digits. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. No big deal. But, uh, essentially this, uh, the film stars Ashley Judd, Tommy Lee Jones in the lead roles. The plot revolves around this woman named Libby Parsons, um, who is wrongfully convicted of murdering her husband uh, and she's sentenced mm. to prison. So while in prison, Libby discovers that her husband actually faked his death and framed her for the crime to Whoa. collect on a life insurance policy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she obviously, you know, won revenge and she also wanted to regain the custody of her son, blah, blah, blah. So she learns about the legal concept of double jeopardy from a fellow inmate. And in the context of the movie, um, she, she understood that, you know, it prevents a person from being prosecuted twice from the same offense. So she was released on parole. So Libby embarks on a quest to track down her husband, prove her innocence and kill him <laughs> knowing she can't get, she can't get got. She's safe. That's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, that one's a little more clean cut, I would say than, mm. than the first one. Uh, and, but yeah, essentially double jeopardy. You know, and I will also throw this in here. Probably one of the biggest. Um, now, obviously, that's a that's a fictional uh, story, but one of the true uh, true cultural stories of our time was the O.J. Simpson case. Now, it wasn't exactly the exact same situation, but but the way they went about it was yes. because double je- jeopardy existed. Right. Exactly. So that that was a. And I'll just say there. I think it's on Netflix. There's like a five, uh, like a. It's really good. Five it was was it Netflix or was it uh, with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, I don't remember what that's on, but it, it was, was amazing. Maybe it's on HBO or something like that. I don't think it's I, on Netflix. Is but it not? Well, whatever. It's good. It's, Cuba I think Gooding it's called Jr. OJ or OJ. something like that. Yeah. Right? Y'all watch that. So good. It is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Anyway, that's Double Jeopardy. So OJ, just to be clear for those that don't know, he, <laughs> nowadays, it's, it's fairly apparent that he probably killed his wife. <laughs> and uh, in the tr- in the trial, though, he just like, his defense squirmed him out of it. Yeah. And the jury did not convict him. The jury him. deliberated for less than four hours. Think yeah, about that. I don't know. Maybe there's some under the table. That's uh, in, that is just little deals that's, there. I don't know. That's but, weird. Uh, nevertheless, he did not get convicted. He was not found guilty mm-hmm. of killing his wife. Later on, I don't know how much later on, but later on, he was then tried for armed robbery. Right, right, right. Which is obviously separate from murder. Yeah. However, he was con- found guilty of that. 
and given a really long sentence. I can't remember if it was like 33 years or 33 years has come to mind for some reason. I don't know if it was that long, know, exactly, but sure. it was a long yeah. sentence. Is he still in jail or is he out yet? Um, I think he was acquitted. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. He's on a parole. <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea. I don't know either. Yeah. should look that up. But, uh, yeah, that, that they had to go about that in kind of a, uh, roundabout way. And I don't know. I mean, technically if you're really following the letter of the law, you probably shouldn't give a longer sentence that would fall into the category of, uh, Un- unusually or, or what's what does the fourth amendment say it's it's uh unreasonable punishment. oh sure yeah yeah i mean if cruel it's, and unusual punishment yeah i'm sure they were within the law on that one but i mean who yeah knows? Maybe, nevertheless maybe they weren't. i do want to note one more thing because this is this is important um so there's this clause or doctrine called the block burger block burger test um, and essentially it's a legal principle used to determine whether two offenses are considered separate offenses for the purposes of the, the, the double jeopardy clause in the fifth amendment. So essentially, um, you know, if, so if you murdered three people and it was a part, they were all connected, the Blockburger test determines that you actually have to be tried by all three of those at the same time. They can't do one trial for this one, then one trial for that one, one trial for that one. Mm-hmm. Now, in obviously in OJ's situation, if he, like if he killed, so actually it's probably a really good, that's a, it's a good example where if he was to have murdered um, somebody in a in accordance with the uh, grand ro- or robbery, right? Is that yeah the armed the armed robbery? robbery. Yeah, I, don't know, I was messing that up. Armed robbery then he would have to be tried all together in that same, the way that I understand the Blockburger test, they would have to try all of that together. They couldn't just try him for one and then see how that shakes out and then try him for another. Uh-huh. It's all got to be together at the same time. Yeah. Um, so just an interesting yeah. delineation. Yeah. And again, on that. it's like we, we talk about the OJ case and a lot of people feel like he's guilty and whatever, but w- really these laws or these, um, these rights uh, in our constitution, they are designed to protect the individual. So it's nice to know that yeah, yeah. if I'm going to be accused of something, I'm going to be tried by a jury of my peers. And it's nice to know that if I get accused of something and am found not guilty, that I don't have to continue to look over my shoulder and wonder when my day of reckoning is going to come. And I've got to get tried for that over and over and over again. You can just say I've been found not guilty and I can move on with my life. Yeah. So essentially, uh, yeah, you just need to get Johnny Cochran. And his lawyer, his lawyer team is what you're saying. <laughs> is that you, the you OJ go, lawyer? Yeah, you want to go? <laughs> you want to go? Should I see get Johnny Cochran? <laughs> is Johnny Cochran still alive? I don't know. I'm 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 gonna come for his son though. If he's got if he's got the son or daughter, it runs uh, in the family. I'm sure. That's funny. All right, let's keep it rolling. So <laughs> you cannot be accused of a crime and, and tried unless you are indicted by a jury and it, it's a capital crime. So we're talking like murder, big time sentence type crimes. Um, we're not talking like a little misdemeanor, but uh, you've got to be indicted by a jury. You have the protection of double jeopardy. So you can't be tried for the exact same thing twice mm-hmm. uh, pertaining to the same case. The third thing is that you are not forced to, testify or uh witness against yourself in other words you do not have to 
provide self-incriminating testimony. And uh, this is where, like, if you watch all the crime dramas and stuff on TV, they talk about your Miranda rights or other people call them Miranda warnings. And one of the things they say is that you have the right to remain silent. And if you choose not to remain silent, what you say can and will be used against you. So that's your right, is that you do have the right that if you are accused of something and you're being questioned about that thing that you're accused of, you can plead the fifth and stay silent so that you don't incriminate yourself. And some people might think, well, doesn't that already, like just pleading the fifth, doesn't that already kind of incriminate yourself? Like they're questioning you, you're saying, I don't want to talk about it. If you were truly innocent, you would just say, no, I didn't do it (laughs) or something like that. However, when it comes to the rule of law, and again, not a lawyer, not like a professional law individual. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to the rule of law, by not testifying against yourself and not self-incriminating, you then put the burden of proof on the prosecution to actually come up with enough evidence and other testimony and other eyewitnesses to convince a jury that you are truly guilty of the crime they're accusing you of. Right. So again, that's just self self protection. Yeah. Well, and I'll just say too, like, yeah, the 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 main thing about the Miranda rights, right? You have the right to remain silent. Anything you can say will be used in a court. Uh, will be used against you in a court of law. You have the right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, an attorney will be provided for you. So there are like I since the amendment was written, um, I, there's there have been some laws that have been past where I, and I think this is state by state, but most, most states you do have, if they request ID, you have to give your ID. Like that's a le- like you have, that's, that's the law that we have to, we have to, but that's all we have to do. So in terms of, you do not have to answer any questions. Like if you say, I, I, um, exercise my right to remain silent and I exercise my right to an attorney. That's all you, those are some of the two, two most powerful statements you can say. And you don't have to say anything else. And I would say thirdly is generally speaking, you do have the right to reject a search of your private property as well. So you don't have to consent to them searching anything as well. Yeah, your, that goes back. And that's where the, and fourth, that goes back to the fourth right? comes into play yeah. because there's no uh, right to the enforcer Unlawful. doesn't have the right yeah. to unreasonable or unreasonable or searches, improbable and yeah. searches right. and seizures. Yeah. So just understand, I think, and that's where, you know, you're saying go back to the fourth and listen to it because there is some overlap there. So if we understand, this is a really big one. And oh gosh, I, I, the, this, yeah, because we're not lawyers. So it is also, it is because I thought the same, I thought the same thing. At what point is it actually doing you a disservice? Just saying like answering the questions and complying and just being like, no, like I, <laughs> no, I didn't do that, you know, or whatever. I would say err on the side of your rights and you know, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. I'm going to err on the side of my rights and just be like, I need to get a lawyer because sure. we saw and we've seen, but Miranda, the Miranda rights came into play back in 66 Miranda versus Arizona when Ernesto Miranda, uh, was, uh, tr- well, he was arrested and questioned and berate, ber- I mean, and let's, let's be real. They berate you. 
in in uh when when you get in, um, not interviewed what's the word interrogated. I'm for? interrogated yeah these are not like nice they're being very coercive and they're leading they're leading you they are trying to get they're trying to get you to confess mm-hmm. even if you're i mean even if you're not guilty i mean depending if they think you did it if they think you did it yeah, yeah. yeah if they think you did it and you didn't i mean they're going to they're going to come down hard on you right so this is what happened with Ernesto Miranda. Now, you know, supposedly super low IQ guy, didn't understand his rights. He was, you know, um, interrogated about uh, kidnapping and rape. He confessed uh, to to this, and he was tried. Um, and then in the in the court case, it got thrown out because because of the fact that he didn't know his rights, right? So they threw it out. They tried him again. They threw out his confession. They tried him on other evidence, and turned out he was convicted anyway of it, but there from there on out, you know, the Miranda rights came into play. So, um, you know, point being know your rights and, you know, enact mm-hmm. them when, when you need to, to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. All right. You want to, uh, jump into the fourth point here of due process, due process. All right. Due process of law. The fifth amendment protects individuals right to due process, ensuring that they are treated fairly by the legal system. So this includes the right to a fair trial, notice of charges, access to legal representation and protection against arbitrary deprivation of life, liberty or property. So, I think it just in you know there's there's two really important aspects to due process because that's a that's a you know what does that mean right we hear this so these are the terms that we hear but we don't really know what they mean so um, it it essentially means like I just said uh, that the government must follow established legal procedures and treat individuals fairly and impartially so the two main aspects of due process are the procedural mm-hmm. aspect which procedural due process refers to the requirement that the government must follow certain procedures and provide fair treatment when depriving an individual of their life, liberty, or property. Uh, It ensures that individuals are provided notice of the charges against them, the opportunity to present their case, the right to legal representation, and a fair and impartial hearing before a neutral decision maker. So essentially, if you get arrested, you are being deprived of your life and they may, if they see, then they seize your car or they, whatever. I mean, if you break the law, it's like you there, what this is saying is you, you have due process and procedures. So you're going to know what you're getting charged with. You're going to know, you know, when the court case is and the, and the process to that, you're going to have legal representation. Um, what was the last part? Oh, neutral decision, neutral decision maker. Right. So it's speaking to the process of, of the, of these things. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And were you going to say something? Uh, no, I mean, not really. I guess j- just to, uh, give, I always like to just think of examples of that. Yeah. And if, uh, again, going back to the fourth amendment, when it comes to, um, search and seizure without probable cause, like that's an example of right. yeah, yeah. procedural due process is that you have the right to a process where, the police can't just roll up to your door for any yeah, reason for sure. right. and come in the house and like check it out and then right. say, ah, you know what? I'm going to actually walk out with your guns and with some other things here that I don't feel like you should have. Right. For sure. No, that's, that's good. 
Yeah. So the procedural and then the substantive due process. So Sub- subs- substantive. I think it's substantive. Substantive. You know, I I just I I I pronounce it tomato tomato. I identify as someone who oh, don't even go there. I identify as <laughs> someone who identifies substantive. That's how you say it. Substantive. Substantive. Okay. I don't know. Like I'm substance. Substantive. 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 Whatever, dude. Whatever. S-U-B-S-T-A-N-T-I-V-E. However you want to pronounce it. I was like real cheerleader of you there. That kind of like <laughs> flowed. It's my marketing brain, dude. <laughs> Branding brain. All right. This part of, the, of due process. Wow, the offshoot is a mess. <laughs> relates to the content and fairness of the laws themselves. So it ensures that the laws are fair, reasonable, not arbitrary or oppressive. Um, this protects our fundamental rights and liberties, even if they're not specifically mentioned in the Constitution. So obviously you can see how those two, you know, um, pieces go together to really safeguard our individual rights and liberties by requiring that the government acts in a fair and just manner. Mm-hmm. So um, and I think it's important to say that these principles apply to both criminal and civil proceedings um, as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that a is. law that would not be fair. So an example of like a, uh, a um, I guess a breach of the substantive clause within the due process clause yeah. <laughs> would be if they created a law that made it a criminal offense to mispronounce the word substantive. <laughs> Shut up. That's an example of a breach of a substantive <laughs> law <laughs> or a substantive, oh substantive part of due process. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's just always a question is, is the law fair? Right. Um, that is, if the law is unfair, then it falls outside of the scope of substantive due process. Yeah. Uh, real quick, real quick. The last thing I want to say on that, cause I, and the way I understand it, this due process will come up in the 14th amendment of the United States constitution as well. The way I understand it is that for the 14th is de- dealing with state and local governments. Correct. And the fifth, <clears throat> excuse me, the fifth is dealing with the federal Correct. So something that came up and I'll give an example of that. Something that came up in the 14th amendment was a case where due process was grossly violated. Uh, and, and probably a lot of the fifth amendment was grossly violated, but it's a case that comes back from 1936. It's Brown versus the state of Mississippi. And there's this guy that got murdered and the police had targeted uh, three suspects, Ed Brown, Henry Shields, and Arthur Ellington as uh, suspects, all actually joint together in committing this murder of uh, this individual. The way that they went about ultimately receiving their confessions, that's how this ended, the three guys confessed. Okay. But the way they went about getting those confessions totally violated due process because what they did is they showed up, they said, you're under arrest for murder. They took them. They, as far as their interrogation goes, it was just, it was flat out violent. Like there's accounts of um, Brown, they tied a rope around his neck and then kind of slung it over a tree and like hung him for a hot minute and then put him down before he died. Do you know what year? Yeah. Uh, the year I think it was 1934 whenever the actual crime, uh, was committed. 
the case was decided in 1936. But, uh, yeah, so they, they did some of the hanging interrogation techniques. They did some, like, belt whipping technique techniques dang they they took like the buckle and it was it was yeah they 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 beat him up pretty bad wow so it got to a point where essentially wow the way i understand it is these three men who were being interrogated by the police said okay fine i'll confess because i'm gonna die anyways totally here yeah (laughs) so Either I'm going to confess to it and not face this and just like rot in prison or you're going to literally kill me right now. Um, so, yeah, that made its way eventually up to the Supreme Court and uh, and they ruled that there was a definite violation of, of due process there and the confessions uh, could not be used in, mm. in that trial, which then really um, undercut the, the prosecution on that front. So I would say, yep, that's, that's that's an example of 14th amendment state due process. You're also entitled to due process if you're being tried by the state or local government. All right. Uh, the last component of the fifth amendment is this idea that comes up called imminent domain. And it says that, uh, you uh, have the right to not have private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Well, real quick, can I? Because this is this is important to understand the words. Yeah. Right. So I'm gonna read because this is really in, this is very interesting. Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I. And I'm gonna let you keep going on that, but I just wanted to read that because the wording is very important on that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll talk a little bit about kind of the the basics of what it's saying, but feel free to jump in on sure. kind of what you're alluding to there. Uh, so eminent domain comes up a lot of times when the government deems uh, most of the time it's land or physical property like land that an individual owns it's private and let's say they need to carve a highway right through that land and that land is they need to go through it to be efficient in their highway system a lot of times that land will be purchased through eminent domain now the just compensation portion of it a lot of times when the government comes in and says hey we need this land we got to purchase it then there's a pretty lengthy back and forth to determine, well, what is just compensation? So that's real. That's something that goes on. We're always, uh, if, if the government came to me and said, hey, we need to carve off half of your property that you live on right now because we got to expand this road uh, or put some utility system in here or something, they would need to pay me justly and, and we'd probably get into some negotiations on what that actually looks like. Yeah. But, um, yeah, eminent domain can be anything that is going to create jobs. It's going to help the overall, uh, local economy. Um, transit comes up a ton. So, uh, well, that's that, what you just said there is very interesting. Uh, that's true, right? So it's, this is not just for building roads, which we see most often. It can actually be used for commercial purposes. Sure. So, that's like the whole premise of Yellowstone. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They want to build yeah, an airport. Right. No, that's actually a really good point. It is. Huh. Yeah. That's a, that, I didn't thought about that before. Mm-hmm. That is, that is exactly what it is. Cause essentially what it's saying is the government, if, if it's going to, again, it says, um, <clears throat> for public use, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So the reason why I wanted to, to what I was alluding to is that the wording is so important is because it looks at first like it's like, Oh, my property, my private, private property can't be taken for public use. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. It says, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So they can take your property for yeah. public use. Mm-hmm. They just have to compensate you fairly for that. Yeah. And that's why I, I, I say it's important because you read, if, if you're not paying attention, you're like, oh, cool, sweet, I'm protected. No, no, no. Not necessarily. Right. So the uh, government could take a piece of land and to build some sort of comp, you know, commercial, some sort of compensation, some sort of commercial, you know, establishment there. If it's going to deem public useful for the public to bring jobs into the area right. or whatever the case may be. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about this in my neck of the woods. I'm, I'm actually getting dinner tomorrow with a really good buddy of mine, who owns, uh, his family owns a huge farm in the area. And I remember, you know, nearly 10 years ago, <clears throat> there was a, uh, plans, I guess, whatever for the city to build a road through their property. And it wasn't as drastic. I mean, it, it didn't have, it didn't happen. They signed petitions. I don't know how, I don't know how you like, I don't know how that works. Like if the government wants to do it, I don't know how that can be prevented, right? In that aspect of like, how, what well, is Well, I that? guess, yeah, if they get enough petitions, then that's the public saying, oh, we don't want you to do sure, this. Sure, sure, so sure. they're, they're, oh. they're grounds for, oh, this is public beneficiary. Beneficial. Okay, publicly that beneficial. Clicked. That just clicked me. I, because yeah. I'm like, what, what the heck does a petition do? It's like, but legally, that makes sense. Yeah. We've proven that pub, the that. public says this is not useful for us. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah, so, you know, but just thinking about that, I mean, they have like, I think nearly like 400 acres. And you think about this, if like, if they just want to build a big, uh, huge, you know, highway and split right down the middle, that would be terrible. Yeah. That'd be terrible for them. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, again, what is just compensation, you know? But, um, yeah, anyway, I just wanted to throw that on there because that, I, it's, if you're, if you, that's an easy one to glance over. Mm-hmm. If you're not for sure. Attention yeah, to, so. absolutely. So, Again, it's like we've talked about the Fifth Amendment. We've talked about kind of the the nuts and bolts of it, understanding what it means. But I'm curious to now, like kind of as we wrap up here, talk through where where are we heading? Like what is the climate of our culture, of our uh, governments, local state and national and in what ways should we be prepared because let's face it like the vast majority of people that would listen to this like you and and I we're not committing crimes mm-hmm. like we're not going out murdering people we're not doing any of that right so you might listen to this and be like well it's not super relevant to me at this point in time however 
I think we would be blind mm. if we didn't look around and see the direction that we're going. Yeah. And and you kind of alluded to it earlier when you made the domestic terrorist comment. Yeah. It's like yeah. that is it's kind of where we're heading. For sure. Yeah, I mean I just got chills because of thinking about that because uh, you're, you're, you're hundred percent correct. I mean, let's, let's not, let's not be dumb. Let's not, let's remember. I mean, when now we're, we're, we're men devoid of, of sin and were we perfect back when the framers wrote this? No, not at all. We, they had other things at that time that they were, you know, they were wrong and they were working that out. But from a morally you know, grounded perspective for the most part. I mean, we've, we've, we have devolved, um, when it comes to our morals, right? I think it's safe to say that. So my, my point in saying that is you can have law, you can have facts. Let's even look at a court case real quick, right? Facts don't tell the whole story. You have the human element as well, right? Witnesses, all that type of stuff. Facts can be used to, you can, you can use a fact to tell multiple stories. We see this all the time. So my point is, the fact of, or, or the, or the, the black and whiteness of, uh, the bill of rights and the constitution, the human element has to also be understood that that is a very, very, uh, powerful piece to this. And so first and foremost, we have to protect this. We have to protect the bill of rights. We have to protect, we cannot allow that to be abolished. And we have to have the human element be healed in our nation because if they can control our minds and can, can, can control and institute group think like they're doing, what, what, let's just take that last one real quick, right? Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. Okay. So what prevents the nation, what prevent, what prevents the government, uh, coming to my property as a Christian, as a Christian nationalist, a conservative, a domestic a terrorist, a white supremacist, transphobe. Yeah. Homophobe. Oh yeah. That's Definitely a racist. Absolutely. Right. Sexist. Yeah. <laughs> what prevents them from coming to me, taking my property for public use and turning my property into a, a Christian nationalist transphobe? you know, concentration camp. Wouldn't that be for public use? And, and if that's what our nation deemed as if I was, a, if I was a domestic terrorist and I, you know, I'm just saying, I'm not, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a quote unquote stretch, mm-hmm. but we've been stretched pretty far in the past five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And to your point, it's, we, we can't, I think what I'm trying to say is we can't just hang our hat on the bill of rights now we can be a hundred percent understand what our rights are and be thankful and say, yes, awesome. This is great. But there is a war that supersedes the bill of rights and the amendments mm-hmm. that we have to be engaged in and prayerfully asking God to heal our nation. We know that is only going to come through repentance and through revival, of course, in our turn, he turns. But to your point, that's, that's where my mind goes is, you know, it's, it goes deeper than words. Sure. Yeah. Um, which I think you're, you're totally spot on with all of that. I'll also add that when it comes to the constitution, the constitution is something that 
needs to be protected. Yes, absolutely. And I say that to say this, that anytime that you observe someone uh, who gets elected to any public office, if you watch the inauguration of a president, you will watch them put their hand on a Bible (laughs) and they will take an oath. And in that oath, part of their oath is to defend the Constitution, which there's some things that we might just like gloss over and kind of inherently assume it. But I just want to call out the assumptions there that if you have to take an oath to defend the Constitution, that's assuming a couple things. It's assuming, number one, that the Constitution is something worth protecting. Yeah, right. That if if you if your oath as the president of the United States or as a congressman or woman or as a judge or as a local government official is to protect and defend the Constitution, then we have deemed as a nation that it is something that's worth protecting. Right. So that's assumption number one. The other assumption is that if you have to def- defend something, you can assume that, that thing is under attack. Mm. If it wasn't under attack, you wouldn't need to defend it. Dang, that's true. Yeah. So how do we, the people, put forth the effort to defend the Constitution? We have to make sure that the people that take the oath to defend the Constitution are the people that are actually going to defend it well. Right. Because you can, let's face it, you can suck at defending like you can be a crappy defender. That that is not something that just naturally comes with the territory. You have to be good at defense. Yeah. Yeah. So it's our job as the people to know our rights and when we see that those rights are being violated and then we also don't have the confidence in our government or in our justice system to defend my rights that are here in this constitution, I have to change that government. Mm. I have to change who's in charge. And and we all have to collectively do that. Yeah. Because I obviously, as an individual, I'm not going to be the one that makes that difference. It's me yeah. along with 80 million other people deciding, you know what, actually, right. we feel like our rights are under attack and you're not defending them the way they That's ought right. to be defended. Well, yeah, and and it starts with why. Then this is why we're doing this because how do we do that with if we don't know our rights? Exactly. Right? So we have to know them, and I just want to point out to your to your point on that of what the uh, what the oath says. There there may be some slight variations, but essentially says I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose or of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter, so help me God. Yep. So, support and defense of the Constitution, allegiance to the Constitution, that you have an obligation, a responsibility, you know. I mean, so, yeah, to your point, we have to know the rights, we have to vote for the people who we believe will defend our rights and then we must stand up in the face of those who fail to do so and demand change.